The NBA drama continues as reports surfaced on Monday that Kevin Durant has reiterated his trade request to the Brooklyn Nets on one condition. We'll talk about that. Plus, what happened when the Nets asked Ben Simmons to play in Game 4 of their playoff series last year? All that and more on Locked on NBA. NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can join the show live and catch us when we record on Mondays in the offseason before our Tuesday show. This is Tuesday's episode of Locked on NBA, and I am your host, Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer at the Action Network. You can find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. I'm also the co-host over at Locked on Nuggets. Joining me, David Ramil from Locked on Heat. David? How you, how you do, slow news day. How you doing? <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving during the offseason. The Kevin Durant news. The Brooklyn Nets dysfunction in general has been a source of, well, a few segments during the course of the offseason. So hats off to them for keeping things interesting. The gift that keeps on giving us content creators. David, I just want to let you know that if Locked On didn't want to give you an extension, I too would demand that my bosses be fired for the decisions that I made them made. I just want you to know that's how much I care about you. So, news breaks from Shams Rainey over at The Athletic, uh, which notably Shams being the one to break this is something we'll have to kind of dissect a little bit. Yeah. News breaks Monday that Kevin Durant met with the Nets last week. We knew that there was a meeting. Word did not come out over the weekend. Comes out Monday that Durant, quote, reiterated the trade request, but there's a condition on it. He wants Sean Marks and Steve Nash fired. So there's a lot of ways to take this in various directions. Uh, the three teams most closely linked in conversations right now are the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics with a deal still centered around Jalen Brown, which is considered, quote, viable via Sean's, uh, Shams, and the Miami Heat, the team that you, in fact, uh, cover so good job for the Nets for one for the Heat for once again getting in on a conversation uh, to trade for a superstar with nothing to actually trade for him, but they're still going to somehow be in this conversation. It might pull it off because that's how Pat Riley rolls. Where do you want to start with this whole thing? Where do you want to start? Uh, I think it's worth discussing, like why why he wants Marks and Nash replaced, given that they've done everything they possibly could to accommodate him. I, I, like, we just had this discussion on Lockdown Heat. I know Nash is, is certainly fallible as a coach. Nets fans want to complain about his choice of player rotations and things of that sort. And he was the guy that they handpicked. Like, from everything we heard, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant wanted Steve Nash to come take over. That ultimately, as they said, they don't really even need a coach, but they have one anyway. And yet now that they've had him, now that he's had to weather the storm, now that they've actually had to deal with him as their head coach, they're no longer happy with him, or Kevin Durant specifically is no longer happy with him as a head coach. I, I'm i finding a hard time wrapping my mind around that. And then Sean Marks, again, by all accounts, and I know that you tweeted something similar to this, like 
pretty decent at his job, right? Built a pretty good contender. Made a, a huge trade last a couple seasons ago for James Harden. Hey, it didn't work. You know what? You do what you can, and you make the most of it, and you acquire another all-star in Ben Simmons. That's pretty good. And then this offseason, too, you know, you acquire Royce O'Neal. You make a couple other big moves here and there, you know, smaller roster-building moves. He's not bad at his job. All of a sudden, he's the one that needs to be fired. I, I'm having a hard time understanding exactly why this is the case. Like, I, I know that Sharania put in there that Kevin doesn't like the what is it the 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 way the direction the direction the franchise is moving franchise. in. And I, it isn't he responsible for steering that particular ship? I've tweeted a lot of things about this. Among them is I cannot use the meme of the guy in the hot dog suit saying we're all trying to find the guy who did this any harder i can't do it anymore because that's exactly what this is so there's two different ways of, of dissecting the situation in terms of durant's dispute the first is that durant does not believe that the nets are, are headed in the right direction and that they need better basketball leadership from a gm and coaching perspective that does not make any sense whatsoever because literally what you're then doing is saying it's your fault that you made the bad decisions i forced you to make <laughs> this is all his thing their entire thing when they got there like there was reports that he didn't even meet with them that he just they announced it and then the nets were like i guess we're making space now you t come in you take over you force them to sign deandre jordan to a ridiculous deal okay they hire a coach that you pretty clearly had been on board with saying you didn't really need one, that he was more of a consultant. You're all quote head coaches in this situation. The roster is built specifically with your guys. Consistently, they bring in guys that are your guys. The organization is run by you and it fails in large part, not because of you, Kevin Durant, because you are Kevin Durant, but because of the loon that you've attached yourself to and his decision-making as well as the ramifications that has on the third superstar that you force the Nets to acquire in James Harden, sending all of their draft capital in this deal. Um, so now uh, this entire thing falls apart, and now you're mad about the direction of the franchise because of the stuff that y'all directed them towards? That doesn't make any sense. Here's what Marks did. Marks took a team that had no draft picks after the, the, the disastrous Kevin Garnett deal. No picks, no assets, nothing left and rebuilt them into like a playoff team with a lot of upside with guys that are valuable contributors around the league. Spencer Dinwiddie was a key component in Dallas's run to the Western Conference Finals. Jared Allen was an all-star last season. Karis LeVert was added as like the key piece for the Cavs at the deadline, trying to make sure that they could make a playoff run that fell short because of injuries. Like all of these guys were components on a team that was built from nothing. Imagine what Sean Marks could do if he had actual assets or just control over the situation. And so the idea that Marks is doing this is, is insane. The other and more plausible scenario here is that essentially this is a frame-up job because of the conflict over Kyrie Irving, that Marks doesn't believe that Kyrie is trustable in this situation based off of everything, and that they need to not be committing serious money to him long-term when he won't make any sort of assurances to them either. And that, that that has resulted in tension. So Kyrie wants to be traded, can't get traded. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants to give him the money. So... That's off the table. So he's going to play out the year. And if he's going to play out the year, what better way to get, take care of this problem than just to get rid of the people that are not just going to let Kyrie do whatever he wants and make sure that we get people in there that let him do whatever he wants. Find yourself someone who loves you like Kevin Durant 
loves Kyrie Irving as a friend. Just find yourself someone who's that dedicated to you. I think this wasn't necessarily not telegraphed because so if you go to Bill Simmons Twitter, he shared this thing from July 3rd. He and Rosillo had this big long conversation on the BS report about this. And it was basically making the argument that like Sean Marks has to bear responsibility for not being able to keep Kevin Durant happy, which like I was veering off the road screaming at because that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, but given the fact that Katie has appeared on Simmons podcast so often, I think there's a pretty reasonable way to conclude that probably this is a narrative that is being pushed through Katie's channels. Uh, Shams is, is well known for being agent affluent. He has a, contacts everywhere he's one of the best nba reporters on the planet but he's very agent affluent Woj, on the other hand tends to be a little bit more team oriented at this point still again he has lots of agent contacts uh but but very team influence it has a relationship with marks so the fact that shams reported this to me is a pretty clear indication this is coming from durant's side and the question i want to ask you after the break david is can joe Sai really based off of the politics that are involved, not only with this, but in the grander scheme of NBA owner-player negotiations leading into the next CBA, can he really give in to Kevin Durant, given what is now a very public extortion threat? We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, we've got to tell you about Bilt Bar. If you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys, and there's a new flavor. Ready? It's insane. Delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again with the new cookie dough chunk puffs. I love this one. My daughter loves this one. My daughter got it. I tried one out of the, the out of the pantry. She's six, and now that's all she wants. She doesn't want ice cream. She doesn't want any sort of other snacks. She wants the Built Bar cookie dough chunk puffs. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, but they're also healthy for you. They've only got 160 calories and they've got a whopping 15 grams of protein. Not just protein, but collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. You get to eat something good that tastes good for you. It's healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture, so good. You're gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a pick quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day, your first listen each and every day. Back here with David Ramil, talking about the nonsense that is the Brooklyn Nets. And David, before the break, I talked to you about how this was pretty clearly leaked from Durant's side. I think it's very hard to argue that the Nets made this. Uh, if they had done this leak, I would have expected it to come from Woj. Maybe it's a misdirect, but that's exactly what I would think how it would go down. So. Here are now the options. If they had just settled this behind closed doors, they could have fired him. And yeah, everyone would know they fired him because Kevin Durant wanted those guys fired. That's 
pretty obvious. But it wouldn't be obvious. It wouldn't be so out in the public. Now, if they make the move to separate from Marx and Nash, and Nash is obviously, like, Nash had a bad playoff run. It was it was pretty, like, glaring how over his head he was from a coaching perspective. But if they make this move and they get rid of both of those guys, you're now saying that, yes, Kevin Durant held us to the fire and extorted out of us firing our GM and our coach to make our star player and his little friend happy. Um, I would imagine that every other NBA owner is probably sending some sort of back channel or front channel message to be like, you can't let this happen. You can't let your star player. It's one thing for your player to, to influence free agency signings and decide on coaches and have his friends working in the front office or whatever else, whether luxuries and, and perks that these guys get, cause that's pretty standard around the league. You can't have a guy publicly hold you to this and then basically get you to fire a guy on contract when he's under contract for another four years. Uh, whether or not to do that is ultimately Josiah's decision and the owners will have to respect it because they want to be respected by the same token. What are your thoughts on how this plays out from the pol- political perspective of owners versus these star players? It reminds me of a story I heard years ago from, uh, I think it was Fred Carter, uh, who talked about as a former player at a time when players used to smoke in locker rooms. A new coach had taken over the team and Carter was one of those players that used to smoke. And so the new coach wanted to make this ban right away and say, you know what? Players can't smoke in the locker room. But Carter, being the star of the team, was like, but coach, I've always smoked. And he's like, okay, Fred, you can smoke, but nobody else. And from that point forward, all the players in that locker room never respected that coach. I feel like this is the bet that the Brooklyn Nets have clearly made by acceding to these players from day one. And now, what choice do they have? And at the same time, I also think that they can't just give in to another request by Kevin Durant. Like, I I think they're at a point where they have to just break free. Like, they've lived under the yoke of Kyrie (laughs) Irving and and Kevin Durant dictating what happens with that franchise to such a degree that now they're screwed beyond repair. Except if they just cut cleanly from both of those players. If they find a way to get rid of them. I know it's going to take a year for Kyrie with Kevin Durant. Well, you know what? Take the less offer. Shams also reporting that whatever deal for Durant the Nets wanted to finally go through will take every asset from any team. (laughs) Take every asset from any team that engages in a trade. So they've kind of gotten themselves screwed here, but you can't, you just can't give in to this another request from Kevin Durant. I just, I, 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 I understand he's protecting his team, his teammate, his friend, whatever. But from the Nets' perspective, it's like you've already given in so much. You've got to be able to draw the line somewhere. Maybe it's years too late, but why not now? Like, what's the next step here? If you wind up firing Nash, fine. If you wind up firing Marks, again, not not a great decision to me, but I understand the perspective then. It's like, well, we got to do what KD wants. Where's the line? Like, what, what happens next? Do you just continue to let him take over the team and just continue to dictate what happens next? It just doesn't make any sense. From a team-building perspective, you've just got to figure out a way to establish a culture where you cannot turn the keys yeah. over to any one player, even as good as Kevin Durant is. So a lot of this gets into a, like a complicated era area, and, and I want to kind of make sure that I'm clear on, on where I stand on this. It's very easy to go from a, hey, why don't you let the basketball people handle the basketball signings and the free agency and the coaching and all of that stuff and those decisions, and you just play basketball. There is a very close relationship to that, and why don't you just shut up and dribble? 
like those two things are mm. within the same realm of consideration and one is toxic and harmful and so i think it's important to kind of delineate there's a difference between i'm not suggesting that kevin durant should have no say in any of these decisions right like kevin durant's important enough to where his voice matters in any organization that he's in because he's kevin durant we can talk about kyrie irving who i kind of think i'm like you're just Kyrie Irving. But Kevin Durant, I think, is worthy of that respect. The difference, and I made this point on Twitter, the difference is between whether you're part of a group working together or you're trying to dictate everything. Like empowering your front office and being like, I trust you to make the right decision. I think you should do this. But if you go a different direction, that's what we're going to do. Listen to your coach and be like, I don't think we should do that. But okay, you're the coach. I guess we'll do this. And if that doesn't work, then you could be like, look, this didn't work. The other thing here that's really crucial in this in this discussion is simple, basic effectiveness. If Kevin Durant and other star players, including LeBron James, I might add, were good at building teams, then we'd be talking about maybe player empowerment's the way to go. These guys seem to know better. They're the players. They're the ones that actually play, and they know who's good and who's not and who can be trusted in the moments. I think you should trust these guys more. That's not what happens. It's not what happens at all. We're always like, that was a terrible signing. Maybe don't sign that guy's friend to $40 million. Like these things are pretty basic in terms of understanding the best organizations, everyone does their job and helps everyone be set up to succeed. Like it's the front office's responsibility to put Kevin Durant in a position to win with his exceptional talents and to win titles. It's Kevin Durant's job to help make sure his teammates are in the best position to win, whether it's by leadership, setting an example, or his simple individual excellence. But like, there's just such a difference here between you shouldn't have any influence and this is a top-down organization. The players are more important than the GM and the coach. Kevin Durant's more important than Sean Marks and Steve Nash combined, right? He's more important to that organization than anybody else. But those guys do their jobs, and one of them does their job really well and needs to be trusted to do that job. And I think that's a real key component. Before we go to the last segment and talk about the other piece of Nets drama that came out today, uh, I did want to ask you. So I'll give you my read on this public negotiation. I think the reason hmm, – let me back up. So Jalen has been talked about. We talked last week about like, hey, what if you traded Tatum? Which, by the way, John Corrales loved that segment. Big fan of our segment on why they should trade, especially your take on on uh, why they should definitely trade Jason Tatum for Kevin Durant. Big fan, John Corrales was. Um, and you can hear more from John tomorrow on the Wednesday show with Jake Madison. But we talked about that. Jalen keeps coming up in these, in these discussions. Jalen Brown. Viable is the uh, viable option was discussed as in Shams's article. My read on it is that Boston reporters are being told strongly from their Boston sources they're not going to trade Jalen Brown. That's been like the indication. It's not happening. They're not trading Jalen Brown in this deal. There's a lot of reasons for that. And sometimes teams will give the local writers a different perspective based off of managing a different audience. The national reporters are used to basically negotiate with other teams. The locals are used to negotiate with the fans to be like, 
Hey, and I'm not saying, yeah. and I'm not saying the Celtics guys are wrong because most often the Celtics guys are right. And I'll also add, under Brad Stevens, that organization has been way tighter from a league's mm. perspective than it was under Danny Ainge. Mm. Second, my view on it is largely that I think Jalen Brown is being used as, look, we're not asking for Jason Tatum, we're asking for the second best player, Jalen Brown. So, Miami Heat, we're not asking for Jimmy Butler, we're just asking for Bam Adebayo. It's the same thing. The standard offer they offered is Jalen. Now, Bam's a great player, but is he better than Jalen? Probably same level. So he should be included in any sort of deal. That, to me, is like the goal. I don't know how this works with the Raptors in this discussion because it's basically like I don't think that they need to, to try real hard to get OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam included in a Kevin Durant deal. I think it's basically like the Nets want Scotty Barnes, who's the number one, and that's like the starting point for any of these discussions, and that's why the deal hasn't happened yet um what are your thoughts though on the public negotiation happening with including jalen brown publicly in these leaks to try and generate traction towards a deal well we talked about it last week i i think it obviously forces miami's hand and at this point in time i'm pretty opposed to the idea and i <laughs> i don't speak for pat riley obviously so i i know that he's still interested in these kinds of deals because that's just his modus operandi and it's been that way since he took over the team in 1995 he's gonna try and make a swing i i think there's some internal debate about whether or not bam should be included in that i know publicly we've already heard from local reporters that they have no interest in trading Bam in a bio. But again, I think a lot of that is, as you said, to calm the fans down to some degree because they're concerns about trading away your young all-star, your young defensive player of the year candidate for an older veteran, even one as good as Kevin Durant. But I, I think, I, 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 I clearly the public perception uh, is being used against Miami. That's fine. At the same time, I just, I don't know I don't know how they could feel comfortable trading away a player like Bam at a bio, even if it's just for an exchange for Kevin Durant. Like, you're closing your window down. And Pat Riley has been very consistent in saying he wants to continue to build a team, not just for the short term, so he can win a ring for Jimmy Butler, et cetera, but also to leave the team in a good place down the road. That's not the case if you trade away Bam at a bio, Tyler Hero, and whatever else picks that you have to trade in order to land KD. Like, you have a short-term window of a couple seasons. Who knows what happens during that time frame? You're an injury away from it being completely catastrophic, even without that high talent level. So, it's just, it feels like, it feels like we're back to square one. Like, like Pat knows exactly what's at stake here. Uh, and at the same time, I don't think he's willing to, he's not going to kowtow to whatever... Uh, public negotiations are taking place. Like, that's just never been his style. Like, he, he's not going to yeah. give in, even when everybody else seems to think he should. I have a, a really great solution for all parties here. I have the, I have the, you want to hear the solution? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, Kevin Durant signs with Clutch. Okay. Rich AD, Kleiman, huh? Rich Kleiman is, is signed, is signed as, a, as an agent for Clutch. Uh, joins the family, as it were. Uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are traded for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. LeBron gets to win a ring. The future is absolutely screwed, but that's not LeBron's problem. And the clutch runs the Lakers. Uh, the Nets then turn around and swap out Anthony. They got to move Ben Simmons because the Anthony Davis thing. But you then turn around, you swap out Anthony Davis to any contender that's going to offer you nothing but draft equity. You just want to get the back the Harden, the stuff you lost in the Harden deal. That's all you're looking for. 
you should you trade ad for pure draft equity and as like you take on as many short-term contracts as possible you sit on the rust deal until the end of it and then with the cap space that opens up you do the detroit pistons move and the oklahoma city thunder move and for two years you do nothing but use that cap space to launder for other teams dumping contracts and getting draft equity back with them you rebuild your entire draft assets sean marks has a full deck to work with and by 2026 the nets are probably back in business short four-year rebuilding plan gets you right back in business ad goes to a contender kevin durant and kyrie irving get to play with lebron it's another super team in la everybody wins except for anthony davis <laughs> well i mean at this point in time yeah you know what let's do it why not I why agree. not That's... why not all right uh we'll take a break and we'll come back and speaking of ben simmons we'll talk about the latest news uh about him and a certain text message that was sent to him we'll do that when we come back on locked on nba Back here on Locked On NBA, thanks for joining us, making this your first listen. Back here with David Ramil, I'm Matt Moore. Appreciate you guys listening. On a Tuesday, talking down about all this Nets nonsense. I was like happily going through win total analysis, and I'm doing deep dives on the Pelicans, and I had to like stop and get involved in all this nonsense, which I will say it's pretty fun. It's more fun than watching like Jackson Hayes, although I like Jackson Hayes. Um, all right, David. So Rick Buecher, noted longtime NBA reporter, did say – on Tuesday, or on Monday, rather. Uh, this was from NBA Central is where I found this. Uh, Rick Beer says, Ben Simmons left the Nets group chat after team asked him to play in Game 4 versus the Celtics. Obviously, they were on the brink of elimination last year, and um, there was talk of him playing, and then ultimately he didn't. And apparently... Uh, Simmons left the team's group chat after the team asked him to play in a must-win game four. He responded by leaving the group chat entirely. Buker said this on The Herd with Colin Cowherd on Monday. Uh, and KD was like, quote, this is who I'm playing with? Exclamation mark, question mark. Uh, that's in a tweet in the article linked by NBA Central. So... I think it's fair to ask now, David, that even if you're able to manage the situation and you fire Sean Marks and bring in, I, I don't know, who Kevin Durant wants to run the team, but Nick Collison, um, and you <laughs> and you fire Steve Nash and you bring in, I guess, Kyrie just takes over as coach, coach player. Right. You do all this. You still have the problem that you now have the Simmons issue reported by Buker that there's some tension over his availability in this situation. Now, I will also note that this weekend, uh, KD was at a concert. No, I'm sorry. That was with Harden. KD was seen with Simmons recently. So like, it seems like there's like, they're okay. In but, London, right? It yeah, was, yeah. In London that where was he met the, with Josiah. The, yeah. Right. Um, and so like, it's, Seems like maybe that's okay, but you still have to have this problem between Simmons and the team left over from last season. Uh, 
I've kind of been on this track anyway of everyone just kind of assumes that because Simmons was traded once and it was so difficult and he hasn't played in two years that he won't get dealt again. I kind of think that ultimately if KD or Kyrie are traded, which I think it's likely, I still kind of think it's likely one of them is. I think it's more likely after today uh, because of the extortion thing that we mentioned. Um, not legal extortion, by the way, just figurative. Um, I still think it's likely that Simmons actually gets rerouted. I think Simmons probably gets traded somewhere else. You know, they, they had to deal Simmons, Harden for Simmons, because they weren't going to get a better offer for Harden, and Harden wanted to go to Philly, and you needed to, like, try and keep things copacetic, and you weren't able to get a star of that level of replacement. I kind of feel like there's a good chance that Simmons gets rerouted in another deal. Even if Katie and Kyrie do stay, and you do fire Marks and Nash and replace them, I think you're probably looking at trying to move Simmons to add another star that they those two actually feel like they can win with. Uh, it's going to be hard. The list of teams I think that would consider Simmons to be that are is very low at this point. But there's always reclamation who does projects it include? available. Like who, who does it include? Like I, I, at this point, like the, I, isn't the reputation? But I, I understand we've kind of swung mm-hmm. the other way because of the shooting woes and everything else like that. The injury, the potential psychological problems that might be interpreted from his behavior and things of that sort. Yeah. Like I, and it's it's not worth really getting into. But like right, what right, team? Right is really wanting Ben Simmons on the roster right now. So I don't think that there's a team that's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Can't wait right? to get him, yeah. I think there's teams that have other problems that might be willing to go that route. And among them, I think, are Indiana that's mm. still looking to shed contracts. This is not reported. This is me speculating. Sure. Okay, so I'm not I'm not reporting this. Um, but Indiana's looking to shed contracts. Look, I will tell you that repeatedly during the whole Ben Simmons saga over the summer and into the season that I consistently heard Toronto as a potential spot. That makes sense. Now, I don't, like, they're not trading OG Ananobi for Ben Simmons. That's insane. That's crazy talk. They're looking at a tough situation with Gary Trent. Maybe that gets moved. I don't think that that KD is going to be like, ooh, Gary Trent Jr. I'm just saying that if you're able to put together some framework of a deal that bolters the team and makes them better, maybe KD's like, yeah, it's fine. Right. Um, the other one I would say is like always Sacramento. Just at all times, I think Sacramento has to be included in this list because they're trying to win now and trying to do everything they can to win now. They do have some players that are on contract that they can try and move. Harrison Barnes, right? Like these types of teams, I think, are viable options sure. to trade for Simmons. So you have a team that's desperate to make the playoffs in the Kings, a team in Toronto that I think has more of a is willing to take risks because if they don't get KD, because that's just the way Masai Ujiri is triggered. If he can take a look, if he can take a low risk because he's already got a problem, if he take, if he trades one problem for another and it's a talent upgrade, that would make sense for Ujiri. Um, and then Indiana, that's looking to move salary. Like those three mm-hmm. teams, I think are options. I think the Wolves were an option before the Rudy Gobert trade. Now I think sure. it's off the table. So, right. um, although I think if Brooklyn was at all interested in taking back D'Angelo Russell for a second run, I think they would absolutely be like, "Yep, let's go." Get done. In. In. I think Minnesota would absolutely be open to that. So, look, uh, if you ask, like, who is actively interested in Ben Simmons, no one. If you ask who would pick up the phone, I think a few teams would. Okay. Fair enough. Do you think that the Nets can repair the situation with Simmons? Or is this something that's just like, they don't need to worry about it because it's like, look, look where Simmons is. Simmons needs to repair the situation. That's a good question. Um, it feels like he's, uh, in terms of their priorities, pretty low. Uh, and 
like even we had some complaints about my take on Jason Tatum, et cetera, and they're like, oh, we can't trade Tatum because of the Ben Simmons thing. It's like they'll figure it out, right? As you pointed out, a team would be willing to take on Simmons. So I think they have so much else in terms of so much else to think about in terms of what they have to do in order to clean house. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not, you know, their coach, their 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 general manager, and they've only got about a month and a half to figure it out before training camp opens. And that seems like that kind of deadline that they're set for themselves here because I just don't see them going into media day with Nash and Mark still in place and KD and, and I, Irving expected to show up and be like, oh, everything's going to be copacetic. So you've kind of given yourself about a month maybe and change in order to figure it out. Can't I don't know that salvaging things with Ben Simmons is a priority. I don't even know that it should be. Like right. he's a fine complimentary player. Right now, you've got to figure out how to appease the player that you've kowtowed to, that that you've given as much power and is extorting, as you said, the team. So that's your priority. After that, I mean, I guess you're gonna to have to run it through Kevin, right? As a de facto general manager, if you wind up firing Sean Marks, which is what he was, then you kind of have to say, do we want to build around Ben Simmons? And then he says, well, maybe, and that's fine. He can work it out, and then you move on to that next step. As far as, let's say, once they get past that significant hurdle, can they fix things? I don't know. Like, I, we, we <laughs> if it seems no, it really does. Like you're looking at a team here filled with players that clearly seem to have very different motivations. Like we were talking about this in the yeah. previous segment. Like the team should be wanting to win at all costs. Like that's their priority. That's what you would expect all 30 teams to be you know, focused on is winning. The players and the player most in control of the situation, Kevin Durant, I don't know that that's ultimately his goal. Like it seems like his goal is more to take care of Kevin Durant and by extension take care of his next best friend, Kyrie Irving, and whoever else is on the roster that he really, really likes. That kind of seems like it just doesn't fit well with the overall purpose that a team should have of winning basketball, especially a team that's paying Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and anybody else in that roster a whole heck of a lot of money. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think they can, I guess, and potentially salvage things with Simmons, but uh, that's not the big deal right now. That's not what they should be focusing on moving forward. They've got too much other issues that they have to address much more quickly than Ben Simmons. Before we get out of here, I will, I will tell you, I talked to a few people in the league that, how can I put this? No Durant are not like intimate best friends. They're not like sure. daily talking to him, but no Kevin Durant. And they all said they were pretty surprised by how this whole thing has gone on. Yeah. In part, the, the message that I got from all three of them, and I didn't reference this to the, it wasn't like agree, like, oh, so-and-so said this. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. They all independently brought this up. And this is something that you've heard about Durant since the very beginning. He just loves basketball so much. Right. I honestly think that Durant may love basketball more than anybody else in the history of the league. I think other guys loved winning more. Hmm. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, etc. I think other guys uh, were more dedicated to the team or the league or whatever. But in terms of actually just loving basketball and wanting to play, which is not common with all NBA players. Like a lot of guys just do this for the money, which is understandable because right. it's a lot of money. Yep. Um, Durant just absolutely does love basketball. So it's a little surprising that all of this seems to stem from, and again, there's a certain level to which, even though I may not agree with the rationale and the logic, there's a certain part of me that respects Durant for the fact that essentially what's going on here is he's just like, nope, Kyrie's my guy. And I'm sticking with him. Doesn't matter what he does, what he says, how much chaos he wreaks. Doesn't matter what he does in my legacy. I'm sticking by my guy. And hey, I I think that's unfortunate for 
all of us, Sean Marks especially, but yeah. there's something admirable to it, I think. So just an interesting little tidbit I picked up from talking to people around the league. So it, can the Nets, I mean, sorry to interject here, but can the Nets, like, given that, and let's let's move forward with that assumption that that's his ultimate goal. It's just, I, I really love basketball. And, and what we've heard from his decision to sign with Golden State a few years ago was that they just played a great brand of basketball, something so completely different than what they had in Oklahoma City. So is that how he's been moving? Like, how is that how he's been operating in Brooklyn? Because it doesn't seem that way. Like, like James Harden mm-hmm. on that roster doesn't equate beautiful basketball. Okay, so I think the key here, though, is I think Harden is a little bit, how about this? I think Harden is misunderstood to a certain degree. Okay. And the reason that I would I would argue this is Harden in Houston was never accused of taking shortcuts. Like he put in the work, he just also mm. wants to live the life. Okay. And the problem I think has been that his body has gotten to a place where he has to make the choice between are you going to give up some some elements of your social life, we'll say, in exchange for what your body needs in order to compete at this level as you get older. And he hasn't been willing to make that sacrifice. In a lot of ways, it's the same right. thing with Russell Westbrook, only instead of the body, it's the game. Right. Like, Russ has right. never been willing to change his game, right? Um, ironically, all three of those guys from, from, from Oklahoma City, they all have a similar pattern of they're not willing to change certain things um, about whatever their basketball identity is. So I, I think that Harden is capable of playing like a pretty – like, and honestly, in, in Philly, he kind of did it where he wasn't able to hit shots because of his body, but he was passing. Like he, ra- like, he was a phenomenal passer and was actually a really good point guard, and the numbers were great with him and Embiid and all these types of things. I think that Irving kind of plays into that as well, where Irving's just like a pure hooper. And so there's this style of, like, just basketball that transcends... It goes beyond really the confines of the NBA sometimes because there's like there's basketball and then there's NBA basketball and they're not exactly the same all the time. Sure. And that's not that's not my words because I wouldn't know better. That's like what players will say, and you yeah. see it in these pro ams a little bit, right? So these different kind of worlds. I think that Durant's operating from the perspective of just pure hooping, and that I think is is part of where that disconnect comes in on. But I do think that all the stuff that he's done in terms of the boardroom and expanding his business stuff, all of that I think is him filling gaps while he's never really been a like he hasn't shown up out of shape. He doesn't, you know, take he doesn't lag through games with minimal effort. He's still outstanding every time he steps on the court and I think a lot of that is based off of his love of what he does. That's fair. Uh I just I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. Like I, let me so let me put much- it this way. Let me put it this way. If he winds up in Miami by hook or by crook, he's going to fit in perfectly fine with heat culture. I believe that uh, 100%. Uh, Let's wrap it up there. Thanks for joining us. For more on the ongoing net circus as well as all sorts of off-season news, make sure to keep it here on Locked on NBA tomorrow. John Corrales and Jake Madison will be back to tell us uh, why they think our ideas are stupid. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, And have all sorts of coverage for you on the Jalen Brown angle of this as well as John's got some really good perspective on where why 
the Celtics are probably not going to be throwing the farm to get Kevin Durant. Make sure to listen for that on tomorrow's show. Until next time, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us those follows on Spotify and give us a like on YouTube. You can find us just by searching YouTube for Locked On NBA Podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. For David Ramil, I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you guys again next week on another edition of Locked On NBA. (laughs) 